SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Five minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant with you on this Tuesday evening. A reminder of our SMS line, 34701 on the market update. That's 34701. Use the keyword market somewhere in your message. We'll get to one or two of those uh, before half past six this evening. First up, as always, Gugletta Mfupi is with us, and she has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Well, platinum producer Lonman has appointed Anglo-Platinum executive Ben Makaha as its new chief executive as it strives to rebound from a wave of deadly strikes which hammered its performance last year. And South African news vehicle sales have declined for the first time since December 2009 after having fallen by 2% in March from a year earlier. The National Association of Automobile Manufacturers of South Africa says the decline was due to a weaker rand and rising inflationary pressures facing facing consumers that have dampened growth in consumers' real disposable income. Looking at the markets now, the JCO share index is closed up in positive territory, just shy of half a percent to close at 40,041 points. The rand's at 921 to the US dollar, 1390 to the pound and 1183 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,581 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $111 and the platinum price at $1,569 an ounce. Thanks, Gugu. It's six and a half minutes after six o'clock. Before we get to David Shapiro and the moves on the markets with the JSE ending about half a percent higher today. We welcome Opa Mahashula, SARS Commissioner, to the program. Opa, the revenue collection data for the 2012-2013 tax year out today. We heard from Greg Close at 6 o'clock uh, what that figure was. The, the revised target, 810 billion rand. Collections, 4 billion higher than that, though. Yes. Uh, good evening, Hilton, and to your listeners. Uh, we're very proud. I think this year was uh, particularly special uh, because of the economic context that we are operating under. When you re- if you remember, Hilton, uh, the third quarter of last year, GDP only grew by about 1.2%, mm. which made it almost uh, very difficult you know, to expect uh, revenue that is kicked in by economic activity to take us through to the target level. And that was one of the reasons why it was revised down you know, by about $16.3 billion if you compare it to uh, the 2012 uh, budget uh, statement that the minister, uh, the target that the minister set for us. So I think uh, from a SARS effort point of view, it really is uh, hard work that we had to, to do. And uh, our people came through. I mean, compliance uh, revenue, which is revenue that would otherwise not flow if we don't dispense uh, some special efforts, Mm. That has brought us over the line by that $4 billion that you are talking about. You mentioned the third quarter of last year there. Obviously, uh, mining strikes uh, <coughs> impacting the economy and, and the GDP number. Uh, have you managed to quantify the impact of those mining strikes on, on tax revenue? Yes. Uh, the direct and indirect uh, uh, impact on revenue from the mining uh, strikes and strife and, and agriculture and let me let me let me stick to the mining. It's about 11.3 billion that we we so far could calculate, and 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 that is a major major thing. I mean, if you if you think about it, after the 814 billion that we collected, which is uh, about 12, which is still about 12 billion lower than the original estimate. You know, if you if you put in the 11.3 uh, billion. Uh, from the mining that we suffered, the, the revenue shortage that we suffered from the mining sector, we would have been home, you know, and, mm-hmm. and made the original target, yes. So it has had a major impact. Uh, 
you know, on jobs, on every other thing. Opa, what's your target for this year? 898 billion. Getting this is 10,3% higher than our target uh, that we have just achieved. As for the compliance program, you gave, uh, you did provide an update uh, on that SARS compliance program today. Five priority areas. You are looking at transfer pricing uh, in big business. You looked at the construction industry. You're looking at illicit cigarettes, at uh, clothing and textile, specifically imports there. You're also looking at high net worth individuals. You have identified 2,300 of those uh, high net worth individuals living in South Africa. What is the process? You've identified those people. Are you, are you reviewing each of their tax affairs? Yes, we are. Uh, they, they have very complicated structures and uh, companies around them, uh, you know, high net worth individuals. This year, in the seven months that our compliance program has been active, We've managed to do 62 uh, audits of high compliance people, and these are thorough audits. I mean, where we do, where we ask for information of income going back many years, asking for supporting documents on many other issues, unraveling lots of trust that they have, and trying to see who are the beneficiaries of this trust, and 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 you know, trying to to, to pierce the corporate veils that they have, and so on. It takes a lot of effort and capable uh, auditors to do these things. And this has yielded, I think, about 184 million uh, out of those uh, 62 orders. And this year, what we are going to do, because this target is so tough also, we are going to dedicate more capability and capacity, you know, towards uh, the audit of high net worth individuals. And we hope that we will be able to touch at least half of those that we have identified for full, uh, for full scale audits, you know, so that we, we can, we can put it behind us and be able to, to get what is due to the first case. Our thanks to Opa Makhashula, the Commissioner of SARS, joining us on this Tuesday evening. David, you, you've, got to, you've got to dread, <laughs> you've got to dread that, that phone call as a high net worth individual. Yeah, yeah, if there's a knock at the door in the middle of the night, don't answer it. It's Opa and his team coming to check your household and see what you've got inside the house. But it's about time. I'm not... I, I think there are, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of revenue that actually escapes the fiscus. Mm, you know, I know they are addressing it in the United States, and it's a subject. The UK, of, uh, UK, all of this. You know, people are, who can actually afford to pay tax, who can afford to bake the cakes that we want to eat. Um, you know, who refuse to do that through structures. And I think um, Dave King was the extreme, but I think there are a lot of issues like that. And if it's genuine, you know, if you can find genuine loopholes or daring and structures, that's fine. But I think in many cases they're convoluted and, uh, you know, people who earn significant amounts pay absolutely nothing. So, yeah, be careful. And I think this applies to companies. We've seen Hudeka as well, where there have been structures, you know, put together by very clever chaps who, who are also being broken down now. Just looking at some of the statistics from the 2012-2013 uh, tax year, the SARS call center, 5.5 million inbound calls, branch operations provided services to 6.4 million walk-in taxpayers, a large proportion of people still choosing mm. to go into to SARS offices. It's, it's complicated. Mm. You know, taxes, tax makes people worry. They don't know how to do it. And they're always concerned that they're filling out the forms correctly and that. So I think it's going to take some time for an older generation to feel comfortable with the way uh, 
um, you know, online tax um, e-filing and so on. It takes a long time to, to, you know, to be sure that you're doing the right thing. The three categories of tax, three main categories of tax, personal tax, mm-hmm. uh, 277 billion rand, corporate income tax, 161 billion, and VAT, 215.5 billion. Mm-hmm. Not too long ago, where those three were fairly... Similar. Similar, yeah. You can see the impact of... of uh, it's a redistribution of wealth. So the more that you demand higher wages, the higher the personal tax becomes. Companies are not, not making profits. Hilton, 11 billion through those strikes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge amount of revenue that this country has lost. And I think that's only one side of it. I think, uh, you know, the, uh, the impact it's had on foreign investment and so on, I think, is another element. But that's a, that's a huge chunk that we've lost out. David, as for the market today, Jersey also index 0.45% uh, higher, uh, higher almost across the board, mm-hmm. save for mining. Mining, the issue, gold price came back $20. Uh, why did it come back? I think people feeling more secure, you know, uh, make a comment that uh, um, the world still carries on. Um, there's still going to be European soccer tonight. You know, people are still, <laughs> <laughs> you know, still buying uh, uh, burgers at McDonald's. It's, the world hasn't stopped. So I, I think it's a reflection of a, a, a better feeling. Just looking at the United States, I think we're going to hit further records today. Um, factory sales are up there, retail sales, things looking better in the global economy, even though it doesn't appear so. So there, there is a move to equities, particularly in the U.S., um, I see UK markets up, and that's you know that's getting people out of safe haven of gold. So that had the impact. Gold shares were down. It also took platinum down, and uh, you know the platinum price generally comes down with uh, with gold. It's a precious metal. There has been specula- you know it's been a speculative metal, so that also fell back and 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 hurt mining shares. But look at industrials and financials, very strong on the back of what's happening offshore. 52-week highs on the JSE for Supergroup, 25 round, 25 a share. Uh, impact, we've got Advertech up there. That's uh, that's a, <laughs> you that's know that, that, worries, <laughs> that that worries me a little because with some of the favourites, uh, some of the industrials coming back, particularly re- um, retailers and so on, and construction shares not really showing any form. Um, I'm finding people are buying down. You know, uh, if you look at the, the PEs of companies like Grinrod, which is one of the features today, or mm-hmm. uh, the Supergroup, you know, we're suddenly seeing them at PEs, admittedly trailing PEs, in other words, historical PEs of 14, 15, I think Grinrod 17. So you're getting into hard territory if you consider that, that, that U.S. markets are like 13, 14, or even our market is, is a lot cheaper. So we're paying up for, for performance in some of these smaller companies. Some of the others, Coronation, almost 50 rand a share, AECI, uh, Resilient Property, uh, Remgro's up there, British American Tobacco, a new all-time high, Mm. 501 rand 21 a share. That makes it uh, officially, I think, closing at over a trillion rand market. Trillion rand, yeah. But, uh, Hilden, the concern is that our market is not getting cheap. And we're looking for places to go, and I think we're paying up for that. I, you know, that, that, that to me worries me. You know, where can these companies go? Can they produce the kind of earnings that uh, the market's building in? Well, we are taking your questions on the SMS line. 34701 with the keyword market. 34701 with the keyword market at a cost of two rand per SMS. And Jabulo and Andre, uh, we've got your questions. We'll get to them before half past six this evening. Also a question in from uh, Jimmy Mpengwa about the world price. We'll get to that just before 6.30. 
SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, Adcock Ingram this afternoon fired back at Bidvest saying its offer for 60% of the company lacked detail and its timing was opportunistic. Bidvest made the offer valued at nearly 6.5 billion rand in a letter sent to Adcock's board on Human Rights Day about 10 days ago. Today saw Bidvest Chief Executive Brian Joffe on the charm offensive. He suggested to the business day that he could not see why Adcock's directors would not go through with a shareholder's vote on the offer. He added that it had iconic brands that could not be that could have not been used effectively and that the company is ripe for takeover. Dr. Kotsa Makela is chairman of Adcock. Doctor, you've reviewed the letter, engaged with shareholders. Crucially, this was not a firm intention to make an offer, but you do have some fundamental legal and material prudential concerns with the letter, as indicated uh, in an announcement this afternoon. Very simply, what are those? The Hilton... For the board of the offeree company to propose a scheme to shareholders, there's a whole host of things that should have happened before the offeree board makes that uh, proposal to shareholders. Uh, we, as the board of Ed Cockingham, uh, had not had any interaction with Bedvest, uh, material inter- interaction really, uh, on the scheme of arrangements until we receive the letter on the 21st of March. When you look at the letter itself, uh, there's conditionalities in the letter, which in law and as per regulation, we were ad- advised, and the board has been very meticulous in working through this, that uh, this does not constitute a firm intention of a letter. One of those, just to give you an example, is uh, paragraph 9 of the uh, Bidvest letter, which gives Bidvest uh, at its absolute discretion the right to terminate uh, the scheme and walk away, even when it feels that it's not going to get uh, support from shareholders. Now, those conditionalities in law and in regulation, and there are many other conditionalities throughout this letter, uh, deprive this letter of the uh, status of a firm intention of a letter. So no material contact about the scheme of arrangement, but Brian Joffe in this interview with the Business Day today suggests that uh, Bidvest and Adcock have been talking about a deal uh, for quite some time. Have you been talking? No, we have not been talking. And let me repeat, not until the 21st of March when we received the letter uh, did uh, have there be any engagement between Bidvest and Adcock Ingram Board about the possibility of a scheme of arrangement. Doctor, you've also got some concerns about minority shareholders and, and their future under any proposed deal. What are your concerns there? And, and again, these are concerns in law, uh, not necessarily concerns uh, of the individuals that sit on the, on the uh, independent board. Mm-hmm. All shareholders have to be treated equally. And, uh, and our reading of the letter suggests that uh, shareholders are not treated equally. Uh, BE shareholders uh, who uh, constitute 10% of the issued share, price, uh, <coughs> uh, issue share capital of this company uh, are, are seem not to be uh, treated the same way that other shareholders are. That said, though, you, you are open to approaches as long as they, 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 they follow uh, correct, uh, correct procedure. Absolutely. Uh, we are pro- open to approaches from Bedvest if they resubmit a letter that 
complies with the firm intention of our requirements as we would any other offer from any quarter uh, that is made in good faith and conforms to the firm intention of our stipulations and requirements in law and regulation. Dr. Kotsamokela is chairman of Adcock Ingram. David, I don't know if you read that uh, sense announcement by Adcock this afternoon. It mm. uh, ran to probably 10 pages. Uh, with Written by lawyers. Bullet point <laughs> after bullet point yeah. after bullet point. Literally a rebuttal mm. of every mm. single point mm. in the in the Bidvest letter. Mm. Not surprising. No. It was obviously um, attorneys have got hold of it. You could hear in the interview as well that uh, you know they're not going to do anything informally. So I'm not sure what the next step is, whether Joffe is going to actually formulate a, a formal bid. I don't think so. He'll just say, okay, well, Tufts, which I think is going to be to the detriment of Adcock shareholders. Remember, I, they tried this with NAMPAC before. Uh, I, I think it's worth, you know, if, if, if I was uh, aboard and said this could be better for our shareholders, let's sit down and talk. Um, but this way, I think they've, they've, they've stopped any kind of further negotiations or, or chats. Um, that's a way, that's a feeling I've got. So I think Brian will walk away and Adcock will bumble on. Um, they did say they, they, you know, a lot of things in the, in the announcement or what we're doing, manufacturing, we're improving this, improving that, you know, we're a great company. Well, okay, let's see. <laughs> 22 minutes after 6 o'clock, Lonman today appointed Ben Magara as its new chief executive officer with effect from July the 1st. He is currently the executive head of engineering and capital projects at Anglo-American Platinum. Prior to that, he was chief executive of Anglo-Coal South Africa. Simon Scott, who's been acting chief executive since August of last year, will resume his role as chief financial officer once Magara joins uh, uh, Peter Major, rather, uh, mining consultant at KD's Corporate Solutions, joins us now. Peter, Ben Magara, his reputation in the industry, you know much about him? No, I, I don't. I doubt there's a guy in the country that knows less about him, Hilton. It uh, shows how out of touch I am sitting down here in Cape Town. But the, the people I, I've spoken to in industry and in, in the little bit of time I've spent with Ben over the years, he comes across very well. He's been here 19 years. He's got a mining engineering degree. He knows how the big companies work, so he's actually coming to a smaller company. You know, moving from Amplats to Lawnmen, it's probably going to be a bit of a breath of fresh air for him. I don't think Lawnmen has half the problems Amplats does right now, and the problems they do have are going to be a lot easier to get a handle on and to fix than Amplats' are. So it's not a bad appointment. It's a step in the right direction. I think if they would have got a hardcore production guy, which is what I believe they need, you could say it's two steps in the right direction, but th- this is a good a good appointment. You mentioned those uh, problems that Anglo-American Platinum is facing at the moment. Obviously, that uh, complicated and thorough restructuring. Uh, it does seem that Ben Magara is leading consultations with unions and government over that restructuring plan, suggesting that he's got uh, a quite a good handle on on how to deal with government and and labour issues in in the sector. Look. I think so, and we want to believe so, because that now is such an integral part of your job managing any of these mines. Um, you have to be able to deal with government and unions on a regular basis, on a good basis. The fact that he's in Zimbabwe, and it means he's on neutral territory. He's not perceived as a colonialist or someone exploiting the country historically. He's got a good demeanor, good education. Um, he's been in, in capital expansion and Engineering, which is a little removed from actual production, but the fact that he's leading these negotiations shows he knows how to deal with the groups.
Peter, just shifting our attention to gold, Sibania Gold, uh, which was spun out of Goldfields, uh, an announcement today re- regarding its Beatrix West mine, the old Oryx mine. This was a mine hit by an underground fire on February the 19th. It says today that uh, that damage has left that mine inaccessible until at least June of 2014. That's uh, a good 12, 14 months away. The worst possible news, I guess, for this company, but this is a marginal asset. Look, it's not that much more marginal than the than Kluif and Drefontaine. It's an old asset that's performed much better, I think, than anybody ever expected, and it probably has as much life left in it with capital expenditure and proper running it as Dreef and Clufontaine. So it is very bad news. And and what's even worse is these fires don't just materialize out of nowhere. The majority of these fires are sabotage, and everybody loses. Nobody wins when these things happen. And, and this, this is bad news, sterilizing virtually a mine on its own for that long. There are 2,800 full-time employees at Beatrix West, 300 contractors. The uh, mine currently losing uh, 28 million rand of production a month, and it uh, has uh, started engaging labour. David, not good news, especially since this has just been just been spun out. I can't believe that sabotage. You know, I always <laughs> learn from Peter. It's always a pleasure to listen to him because you learn so much from him. But I can't believe that this would be sabotage. I mean, that's really uh, destructive. You know, to start a fire underground, which actually loses 2,800 people their jobs, is just crazy. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. 26 and a half minutes after 6 o'clock. David, a couple of questions in on our SMS line. Uh, Andre says he owns Kojima shares with the rights issue being announced. What should he do at that 5 cents rights <laughs> issue? What does Kojima mean? <laughs> Go forward. Run. Run. <laughs> run. Go forward. <laughs> I, I think this is a company you should have run away a long time ago. But I think at, at a half a cent. It's a five cents, David. No, was it five cents? Five cents. Oh, is it a five cent uh, and it's trading at 15 cents? It's trading at 11 now. Okay. So maybe you, you put some more money in. But I, I don't know. This is a company that has had previous rights issues as well. You don't Adam want to be have been down. big, big supporters of it in the past. I still think their pension funds hold, hold it. But uh, um, just year after year, they just keep not delivering. You know, just keep disappointing us. So it's, it's something I would be very nervous of. And throwing good money off the bat, I'm not sure. 27 and a half minutes after 6 o'clock. Well, from one new appointment to another, Jan van Nikark, former chief executive of Peregrine, has taken the top job at Asset Manager RCM, which was founded by Pitt Fulian. Jan, did you approach RCM, or did uh, Pitt and his team approach you? Hello, Hilton. Uh, look, we've known each other in the markets for a number of years, uh, and I guess it's a conversation that, uh, that started from both sides. What attracted you to this opportunity, Jan? Uh, look, I'm, I've always believed in the, the investment philosophy that we see in follows, which is a value-based one. Um, and uh, you know, I've, I've enjoyed interacting with the team. I like the way the guys at DCM think about investments and about the custodianship of other people's money, uh, and also the ethics of the business. So uh, when the opportunity came around and uh, they were looking for someone to join as a not only as a shareholder but someone to drive the business and, and help to grow it. Uh, you know, that's certainly interesting to me. And uh, as for Pitt, he's now non-exec chairman, and I guess more focused on more time to focus on on the investment side of things. Yeah, absolutely, I think you probably have to ask Pitt about that himself. But uh, my sense is that he's really keen uh, to spend as much time as possible on investment research. 
uh, and then uh, for me to, to look after running the business. Jan Fennekerk is the new chief executive of ReCM. David, interesting appointment. Yeah, I, you know, ReCM has always been regarded as pit. Mm. And uh, I, I suppose I can understand. You know, pit, I think being CEO, you've got to run around a lot, visit shareholders. And I think pit's always been a man, I think, who's, who's more interested in the intellectual side. So I can understand maybe less time on admin, more time on actually doing the research and, and you know, looking for companies in which to invest or strategies. Just before we wrap up, a quick question in from Jimmy Mpengwa who asks about crude oil bar- uh, per barrel pricing. You get all these uh, different prices being quoted, David Nymex. You get WTI, where, uh, which is West we Texas, Texas yeah. Intermediate. Also Brent crude. We, we follow Brent. We Brent, yeah, which is uh, north of the UK, but that's, that's our benchmark. I think West Texas is more the US. Uh, there's actually a difference at the moment. And I can't remember the exact reason why there is a difference, <laughs> why why Brent is more expensive than Ruiz. But there is a Trump reason. Cost, I, no, there's some, something else. <laughs> and I've just gone blank. Yeah, I've just gone blank. Well, David's got his homework to do. It was a day where the JSC ended up 0.45%, 40,000 and